Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. away, Vidra cuts it back, oh no, Cornet's put it home, it's an Everton mistake and it's punished, Maxwell Cornet back amongst the goals, an Everton mistake and they're made to pay from 2-1 up in the first half, Everton are 3-2 down. Charleston. Pull back, Gordon will get a shot away, it's deflected in! Everton are in front! Anthony Gordon! What a big goal that could be! That is the final whistle, Everton have done it! It's three massive Premier League points in their quest for survival. What a result! They were never going to do this the easy way, were they? Welcome again, Evertonians, to the Toffee Web Podcast with me, Lyndon Lloyd, Paul Trail, and Adam McCulloch here for episode number 10 since we started this venture back in February, not long after Frank Lampard was appointed. Given how much optimism there was in the days after he came on board, what seemed to be a couple of positive deadline day signings and Lampard's promising rhetoric, I think most of us were confident at the time that we could avoid a situation where we were bricking it over relegation with less than 10 games to go, but that's where we found ourselves a week ago after that defeat at Burnley. But fair play to Everton, they responded brilliantly on short rest against a Manchester United side, stuffed with talent, even if they've been underwhelming this season, and pulled off a really badly needed home victory. Coupled with Burnley's loss at Lorich, we can breathe just a little easier now through this 11-day break before the game against Leicester, can't we, lads? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's uh, a yeah, big relief to Man United game. 
episode 10 i hadn't really know i, I, I hadn't even <laughs> it hadn't even crossed my mind we, we double double think double figures we made it <laughs> that's a, that's something i um but no the uh yeah the big obviously the game is united was a big relief following the uh what happened against burnley just um it's just a classic sort of like Everton winning away at home, wasn't it? Like at least, like at least how it used to be a little bit. It was just digging in, fighting hard. You know, what I mean, keeping a clean sheet, defending your box. You know, just a great atmosphere against the, you know, against one of the big teams, and that was often the way it always it often was. Um, you know, back a few years ago. So it's um, yeah, just a great, really great day. Um, the, the Man United won, and boy, did we need it after the after the Burnley game. Um, just like so, uh, so. So abject, what is abject after the match? You were so depressed, weren't you? Um, going to bed that night and waking up the next day, like, oh god, <laughs> sort of feeling like. And uh, for that, like, obviously, we, we still got a heck of a way to go um, this, this this season, haven't we? <laughs> so a heck of a way to go this season, but um, yeah, hopefully we can just kick on a lot bit more now. And uh, yeah, certainly enjoyed my weekend. Um, perhaps a lot more than I was expecting to. Um, we were just saying, Adam and I, just before we came on, it was like quite good that it was an early game because if you win the early game, it can really sort of, uh, you know, really boost your weekend. And the same, likewise, uh, an early defeat can really sort of knock the weekend away from you, you know. So it was good, um, really good, uh, really good weekend thanks to the results. So, uh, yeah, for, for the 100th time this season, onwards and upwards. Yeah, I mean, what what a difference a week makes. I think, you know, it was, you know, this time last week, uh, while whilst we're recording this, I should say, um, you know, it was it was half time, two one up at Burnley, and the game we'd spoke about as being uh, a must not lose looked like it was going to be a win. Um, and then, yeah, as as you said, Paul, it, it was abject about feeling. I mean, I sort of woke up on Thursday, and it was like, you know, did that happen? Did we manage to sort of throw that away? Um, still didn't really seem real. A lot of the players just looked so. Um, crestfallen and you thought how are they going to pick themselves up from it but then yeah uh, Saturday really does change things around and I guess just importantly you know it's it's one of these things that's out of our hands um, Sunday was obviously massive as well because Burnley failing to kind of build on that you know just just keeps that little window in it and I think most importantly as well it does keep our destiny in our own hands I think um, you know the other sides around us will still drop points. They'll still have days like we seem to have where, you know, one week we can, you know, dig in and look all right and then we'll have another and sort of throw it away. Um, but I think while it's still in our hands, it does does still just give you that feeling like, yeah, we we, we surely should have enough. Um, and it's, it's much better to be in that position because I think those final home games, if we can, you know, get the crowd on side as we did uh, on Saturday and if, you know, we can have that same effort and endeavour from the players, then... Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be all right. At halftime, I was feeling like it was all going to be all right against, you know, playing against Burnley. Um, Burnley really were poor. Um, and, you know, we didn't exactly set the world alight either in terms of our attacking mm. output. But, you know, we got into into the positions to earn two penalties. And, you know, we were definitely in the driving seat. And then, of course, the old familiar failings on the road resurface. Um and to say that Everton Twitter was despondent after the final whistle is an understatement, isn't it? There were so many who were um, obviously starting to make peace with us going down. Um, you know, it certainly had the potential to be a pivotal moment for both teams, didn't it? I mean, the, the momentum 
clearly seemed to have swung Burnley's way. Um, and then the, that, that old adage that, you know, the, the whole mentality thing that we've been talking about for so long now, you just felt that, you know, they could, they could definitely fold. Um, but, but for me, and I think, you know, all three of us have said it many times here on the podcast, uh, it was always going to come down to the home games. Um, and I tweeted on Wednesday that, that we could be United and it would just be typical if we did. And hey, presto, you know, we took full advantage of Ralph Rangnick's own problems in terms of you know, mentality among his players and got a massive, massive result. Um, but I think the two games really en- encapsulated the, the personnel problems we've had in a couple of key areas uh, rather than, than, than a lack of fight that so many, you know, have accused the players of having at Turf more. On one level, there's something to be said about certain players lacking the drive and commitment that was shown against United in terms of, you know, busting a gut to track back and, and stop crosses, etc. It's not quite the same as not caring and not fighting, but I think you saw against United what a huge difference it makes when the team is playing as a unit um, and opposition players are being closed down. And that just wasn't the case at Burnley as much. Um, and obviously, John Joe Kenny's decision to commit himself against Charlie Taylor really was... You know, a bad error for that for that second Burnley goal, uh, but no one was tracking the runners for that, um, or Maxwell Cornet's winner, and that's ultimately the difference I think between you know three points and none, or at the very least one point um, and none in a in what was really was a relegation six pointer. The the goals, Jesus, the yeah, I mean. John Joe, John Joe Kennedy, yeah, he, should, he shouldn't have committed. I don't know why he's diving in there. Nobody does. And like, you, don't, you don't want to get on his back too much. It's, you know, he's, he's, he tries his best and, you know, he's, he makes mistakes. And I suppose a lot of people have said for a long time, he's, you know, he's, he's not, he's not of the required standard. And that's a shame. But I think that was, that was quite exemplified, exemplified right there. And you don't know why he's diving there. I don't, I don't know much about, what was it then? Charlie Taylor. I don't know much about him. I don't think he skinned many players <laughs> in, in his uh, in, in his career from there, though. And um, yeah, that was that was frustrating. But I was, I was much more disappointed at the mistakes. Much more disappointed in the third one because it was such a collection of mistakes. Um, that's from from Pickford slice, and I couldn't believe um, the, the core that he's closing down from from there was so pitiful um, for the, before the cross, and then uh, obviously it's the Ben Godfrey mistake. It was just like a comedy of errors, really, wasn't it? And I, that, 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 I found that a lot more. A lot more upsetting was how, how easily we just gave that up. Um, the game itself, yeah, we, we probably should have won really. Should we? Should we? Should we certainly shouldn't have lost really. But again, you make their mistakes, and um, that's what you, that's what you get punished for. At the end of the day, it was just a real a real nightmare, a real frustration. But you mentioned earlier, um, uh, Adam, about like well, you know, banking on these home games. I just find it inconceivable that Everton are going to go a whole season with just one away win the whole season. Surely, surely we can win. You know, it's not just you know. Obviously, it likes to go in that little run for the remainder of the season at home and sort of finish that off strong. But surely we've got on a away. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think the there's no there's one away win in us somewhere in the final ones. Now that might sound brave looking at the next away game we got, but the um, it's. Uh, yeah, I just find that inconceivable. But um, yeah, there, there was a good thing about the Man United game is the um, the change up. I suppose Delph Delph made a, Fabian Delph made a massive difference in the midfield and should play with a bit more with a lot more character than some of the other lads that have that have been playing playing in there. And Alan obviously coming back. And that's I do wonder if um, yeah, we, the, Pal- the, the Crystal Palace game in the cup 
might have been, you know, it's just after the Newcastle game, he might well have lost that one. I'm not, I'm not so sure we lost both them games against West Ham and Burnley. Had Alan, had Alan been playing, had we had a bit more steel in that midfield area? Um, who knows? But he's been a big loss while he's been unavailable. So it was great to have have him back in there. And just the, the all-round effort from everybody was just um, the application, as you said, was really, 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 really spot on. And um, it's kind of looking up a lot more just in terms of personnel numbers. And I think Yevi's back for the next game. Donny van der Beek's back for the next game, all being well. So um, just full, it just fills you with a, a, a bit more confidence that we can sort of take on these games a little bit more with what looks pretty much like a full squad, more or less. And uh, great to see Mikalenko finally making, um, you know, finally making that a bit of a name for himself there. It's um, not just for football and reasons. Obviously, it's been very, very tough for him. But I think we signed, well, two fullbacks at a time when neither of them are really ready to play. And that was quite quite apparent with in the games that we saw with Mikalenko. He just wasn't quite ready. And now that he's had some games, about now that he's had time to adapt and now he realises realizes the support he's got, perhaps, from everybody. He, he's really, the last few games, he, he hasn't let anyone down, I don't think. He's, you know, probably the last couple of games, Boarded on man of the match, I think he's been really, really promising. So it looks like hopefully the signs of a bit of a settled defence, of a bit more balance on the left hand side, and with Mina coming back as well, and just a bit more optimistic. We can make less of these mistakes at the back, a bit more leadership, and uh, yeah, maybe not just rely on the home games quite so much, and maybe just just do a little bit more away from home as well in the remaining games. Maybe I'm just being a bit too optimistic. I don't know, but um, I just find it inconceivable that we're going to go a whole season with just one away win. <laughs> to, uh, to to shout about so uh, fingers crossed there's better times to come over the next uh, what was it eight games yeah. to go eek <laughs> yeah yeah no I, th- I think yeah I mean y- you would think out of um, out of the remaining games obviously yeah there's there's Anfield to go to which um, yeah isn't isn't ideal um, but you never know um, I think for the Leicester game away uh, followed up after the Chelsea game I mean you've you've got to think if we can have a sort of another Sort of strong home game like like we did against uh, Manu. You know, Ch- Chelsea are another side who, um, I mean, same. I, I saw the game against Real Madrid last night, and they they played really well. They were unlucky to uh, to go out to a sort of a bit of a Modric masterclass. But um, I think um, you know they're, they're another side who, who've blown a little little hot and cold recently. So you know, might might be a similar situation to the Manu game. So you know, a positive result there going into Leicester away. Um, I don't know. There's there's yeah, there's, there's certainly points there, um, even though our running on paper does look tougher than, you know, Burnley's and some of the other sides around us, for sure. But um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said about the individual players. I think, um, yeah, Mikalenko's looked um, looked really settled. Um, I thought he was outstanding against uh, against Man United. Um, he was... He was brave. He was he, he was he was really positive going forward as well. I think his his role in the in the goal was really sort of you know a bit underplayed to be honest. But it's it's a really selfless run, which was something we saw a lot from him. He was he was kind of getting in behind in a, in a way we've not really had since Luca Dean. You know anyone else who's kind of filled in there has either you know very obviously not been a you know a left back. You know i.e. like a John Joe Kenny or, or they've been a you know, more defensively minded. You know, like like Ben Godfrey when he's played there. So having someone who can who can get in and cause problems there, um, his his run does, you know, allow that little bit of space when it's played into a Wobie. And obviously, we we get that little bit of luck with the finish. Um, how many times have we said that? Just that little bit of luck um, when it goes your way, um, which you know you could you could maybe say it didn't against Burnley, but the 
I, th- I think the Burnley game, the more I think about it, was just such a, a strange game of football. I, I, I don't really know how we got beat. They didn't really have to play well uh, to get the result. They didn't really dig in that much, Burnley. I just thought we, we sort of, you know, we, we squandered those few opportunities we had and then just some really sort of silly goals to give away. I mean, yeah, as we alluded to, John Joe Kenny, you, you, you almost you, you feel a bit sorry having a go at him, really, because he, no one, uh, no one expected him to be in the starting eleven at, at the you know when when the season started, and um, and as, as I think I've said before, no one really expected him to play pretty much across the entire back four. Um, you know, the fact that Holgate was playing midfield as well, you know, we saw the difference it made having experience in the middle. Um, against Man United uh, with Alan um, and with Delph, who uh, it's only one game. Um, I've spent a long time, you know, he's been much maligned uh, from myself, but, um, I, I, you know, he was, he was, he was excellent. He was absolutely excellent. He, he bought that composure, that control. And I think that was, that was probably the key difference in that Burnley game. It was such a, a helter skelter kind of game. There was, you know, but, the third goal, John Joe Kenny sort of trying to hit one from 40 yards just because, you know, he's, you know, it's that sort of folklore moment and he's thinking I can do it. And it ends up leading to, yeah, bizarre slice clearance, you know, then Godfrey with a mistake. And yeah, just, uh, as you said, Paul, a comedy of errors. Um, it needed that that experience, I think. And uh, Delph and Alan uh, definitely bought that against Man United. And I think if we can keep him fit, if, big if, um, and certainly if we can keep... Alan in the middle. Um, both of them might not be there next year, regardless of where we finish. Uh, but if they can sort of get us over the line and give us that that steel, that grit, that industry, but also that you know composure on the ball in tight areas, which you, you can you can see it kind of breeds with confidence in the other players around them. Like as, as Michael Keane and Godfrey sort of grew into the game, it started shaky. But having that sort of like option where they had a bit of an outlet, um, I think I think that was massive against Man United, and I think it'll it'll definitely sort of, you know, put us in good stead for the games to come. Yeah, absolutely. It's about, it's fine margins. I mean, the, the Premier League is such a competitive league. You know, they're really, you know, unless you're Manchester City, I suppose, there are no, <laughs> there are no easy games. And it, and it's, if you've got either square pegs in round holes or you've, you know, like Holgate playing in midfield or, um, you know, and it's, you know, we don't really want to call out individual players, but, but the reality is, is that we do have, we have had players playing in certain positions that shouldn't, that wouldn't ordinarily be there, um, and I think we've seen that in in results. You know, and it, it's it's such an easy out to um, you know to to brand them as not caring or not fighting. There's no spirit, but it is incredibly difficult in a team game um, to if you have a couple of pieces that either don't fit or a couple of uh, players who just you know either not up to it or having really really poor games that you know things can can get away from you and i think that's exactly what happened at at, at burnley you know it's just a couple of moments um with the difference between either you know one point three points and and none um and so that's why um it was so great to, to obviously as you have both said to have um alan and delf back in that midfield because it just made an enormous difference both in terms of uh protection for the back but also just um the options, as you said, Adam, passing out of defense, you know, you've got Delph who, unlike Ducouré, who, who has unfortunately lost his way a bit um, uh, in recent weeks, you know, Delph is, he, he's there on the half turn and, he, and he's ready to go forward um, and, and, and spray the ball around. 
Uh, someone someone mentioned it on Twitter just how how little he actually gives the ball away. Um, and in our situation, uh, when we're trying to you know to, to to get the ball out from the back, just retaining the ball is such a huge makes such a huge difference. Um, but going back to um, to Mikolenko, who I think is worthy of of, of mention in tandem with um, Alex Awobi, you know, two players who have you know have struggled um, to 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 settle in and adapt and, and have had their critics, but I thought both were absolutely outstanding against United. Um, and with Mikolenko in particular, it's you know you underestimate just how hard it is to um, to adapt to a new league, a new country. Uh, new language, new teammates, new systems, and all, all, all the while, you know, with what's going on back in his homeland. Um, so it's, it's, it's great to see that he is now starting to settle in and, and actually show what he can do. Because I think the, you know, there were a few people who were questioning whether he was, whether he was up to the, uh, up to the standard and whether he'd make the grade. Um, and I think there are definitely signs now that uh, from both a, a defensive and an attacking standpoint that he's really starting to, um, to find his feet. Um, and the same goes for Awobi. I mean, you know, the, the thing that the Arsenal fans said when, when we signed him was don't just, just don't play him on the wing. And that until this season is more or less all we've done with Awobi. Um, and he seems to really be thriving now in a, um, you know, in a more central position where he's got more of those options ahead of him, um, where he can pick a pass. Um, but it, it, not just that he's, it's just, just, just the work ethic, you know, against United, he just absolutely, you know, he's like a man possessed, um, which is exactly what exactly what we need, exactly what you want. And um, I just love that uh, that clip that that went viral um, like a day or so after the United game, where you know both of them at the final whistle. You've got Iwobi, you know, on his knees, clenched fist, looking at the sky, and then Mikalenko thumping the thumping the turf. I mean, you could see what what it meant to them both, uh, both in in terms of as as Everton players. And you know, and and just the 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 enormity of the result, but there was also kind of an encapsulation of both of their personal journeys in there. Um, so it was just fantastic to see that. Nicely put, Lyndon. Yeah, really good. There was um, that was a good clip. Um, I thought you were going to say the one that went viral of um, Alex Awobi just chasing the ball everywhere around yeah. the whole pitch. You, you must have seen mm-hmm. that one. That was great. And there was another great one at the um, it was in like the tunnel, the tunnel <laughs> access one of the Abbey Mina mm-hmm. off the pitch, giving everyone a big bear hug as they left and just the, the one he, yeah, I love that brilliant and the one I like the most actually from all that because it's not allowed to get a, get a rough ride and he, 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 did, he did actually pretty pretty poor 20 minutes but then, then got a lot better in the game and did pretty well was uh, Michael Keane back in the team and he gave after um, yeah he hugged him and he, you see that the big grin just did not leave Michael's face as he sort of you know bounced on down at all and that, that's nice to see because I, I just I, I just don't like seeing players struggle and then get then the stick to get afterwards you know what I mean it's just uh, you think about the person the, the, there's a person there and it's it must be very very tough for people I think in, in them situations and I know Michael spoke about mental health and that sort of thing before so I'm always pleased I don't know why I've always got a soft spot for Michael because he makes mistakes and you know I think he always gives his best so I was uh, pleased pleased for him there as well uh, Mikalenko, the um, what I like about him is just is just how um, he does the simple things well. You know what I mean? So I, I, like that that slice clearance which Ben Godfrey made, for example. I don't think you're really going to see that from like Mikalenko. He's just he knows what he's doing defensively. Not a lot gets past him, and I, I think that's the first game uh, against Man United. I think it's the first time you really well. That said, he won a penalty against Burnley, didn't he? But it's the first time you've mm-hmm. actually seen him, you know, really sort of like get forward a bit more and. Um, yeah, joining attacks a lot more. So, 
Yeah, we needed to, we needed patience with him. I think it, that was probably in short supply at the time because obviously he, was, he replaced you know a player of Luca Dean's quality, and we had Rafa Benitez, and there's a lot of things uh, you know, and there's <laughs> there's a lot of reasons to think, oh god, what's going on here? Why have we signed these two? You know what I mean? So it's really really pleasing to see that. And Wobi, um, uh, yeah, you know, I, I I tried, I felt I tried so hard to give Wobi a chance, and then the, the signs he played, I think even he played right back once under Carlo and. You know, it looked like he tried a few different positions, a few different areas, and it just felt like every time he'd give you one or two good games, they'd be like, "Oh yeah." And I just, I just felt like, oh, in the end, I was like, I've just tried so hard to be to to get behind this lad. I just don't see how it's ever going to work. So, so so made up to see him, um, really sort of have a few good games, and that template we got there for um, Delphia, yeah, you, you can't imagine he can stay fit for the whole game because because he never really has for Everton. Let's be fair, but. I suppose if, he could, if they can manage it quite well between him and Donny van der Beek, and particularly when we've got games in, in quite quick succession, they maybe try, try to sort of just flip them around a little bit more and get what we can out of Decorey in them positions as well. And maybe we can just manage his workload a bit better, delve for these next sort of eight games or so. And just if we have him available to start for the majority of them in there alongside Alan, then they will be pressing up a bit further ahead. And then, you know, that, that front three, I, I do believe Dominic will, will have, sooner or later have that big game and sort of bounce back a bit more sooner or later and with a Charleston and then Gordon or Gray, whichever whichever you decide. It's you know all of a sudden it's got the makings of not a bad team. You know what I mean? So just and I think the last three games particularly, you could extend that to maybe four if you include the Newcastle one, that's ignore Palace. Um the performances have been pretty good generally. It's just it's just been just undone in them two away games by daft mistakes you know what I mean and it's not like Pickford's been peppered and you know, in, in every game he's having to make sort of several great saves to keep us in it um, it's you know just you know just daft mistakes have cost us points and hopefully that's maybe you know we say this a lot don't we hopefully that's drawn a line under it all now and I can just hope I'm, I'm confident and hopeful that the players just pick up a lot more now and uh, we'll find out in about well what Time's at now 8.38, so where will we be this time next week when we're playing Leicester City? It's be half-time now, will it? Is it half-time kickoff is, so uh, we'll see where we are then, I suppose, won't we? And uh, see see if we can keep this up. Um, how do you guys see that game going? Or is it is a bit too far away to, to think about that at the moment? Oof. It's tricky, isn't it? Because, I mean, we've, we've got this this nice break, which I think... Um... Yeah, I mean, I, the, the footage of Yerry Mina in the tunnel is great because you can tell he's, he's, he's obviously a very popular, likeable guy around the training ground. Um, I, th- I, th- I think that there seems a good sort of group spirit there. I think even, even when we've sort of, you know, like I say, you know, the, the Burnley game, I think everyone just looked pretty shell-shocked as to how we'd sort of managed to really lose it. But I think, you know, as a whole, the the group looks pretty sort of solid. You know, it's, it's not, you know... It's not the sort of dark days around kind of Christmas with, you know, Benitez and, you know, obviously the Luca Dini fallout and stuff. It, you know, it looks pretty galvanised. Um, and, and and having him back, you know, even just sort of around the place, um, if we can have him, you know, like on, on the bench against Leicester, maybe, you know, I mean, ideally you'd want to maybe, you know, play a sort of similar side, uh, possibly with like, you know, maybe like a Van der Beek coming in for... Delph, if he's not sort of fully there yet, you know, you can, you know, manage him through the season. I think, I think realistically you want, you want someone like Delph if you can keep him fit. And it probably means just, you know, don't come into training today, mate, you know, just stay at home, just wrap up in cotton wool. (laughs) Don't come in, don't move. Um, You know, old school, (laughs) Um, just don't, don't do anything. Um, You know, I think if, if we can have him fit for the sort of, 
um, you know, tough away games like Anfield, like Leicester, um, but the, the kind of big ticket games as well, I guess, like, you know, sort of Chelsea and Arsenal away. Um, having that sort of now some experience, you know, it, it, when we've not seen enough of it, sadly, uh, you know, as Ever- Evertonians, but, you know, he's got a lot of experience. He's, he's you know, he's played in, you know, title winning sides for Man City. Uh, he's played at the top level for a long time. So I think, and it, and it, it did give us that balance. I mean, even even something as simple as having, uh, you know, Zinchenko at left back, left footed, Delph left footed. Like we, we just looked like, you know, when we received the ball, we looked like we had sort of that bit more time. Uh, whereas the Burnley game where things were, as I said before, a bit hectic, um, I think, um, I think, yeah, it, it, it was, you know, it was sort of crying out for that composure. But uh, yeah, to go back to the Leicester game, um, I think you'd expect us to maybe play a little bit more on the front foot um, in that game. So, um, and I just hope as well as, yeah, the likes of Mina being around the squad that, yeah, Dominic, I think, I'd say out of everyone, he, he, he toiled a bit at times against Manchester United. He sort of, He's he's not he's not in that place where he was before, where he kind of you know win a lot of stuff in the air, kind of like run down a lost cause and make something of it, and then he'd be popping up in the box as well. I feel like he can sort of do well. I was going to say he could do one or the other, but he's obviously he, he's not really getting those chances as it stands. It's partly the way we're playing, but I think there's there's certainly a, a rustiness about him. Um, you'd hope this kind of you know over a week on the training ground can maybe just sort of you know, iron out a few of those creases with him, um, as as well as giving some of them a rest. Because I mean, like, you know, Iwobi, you know, again, you know, someone, you know, I think I think every Evertonian at some point has been critical of Alex Iwobi. Because um, he's clearly he's clearly talented, but he's he's a frustrating talent. But the the, the sheer amount of ground he covered, um, and the same with a lot of the lads, and Anthony Gordon as well, um, his work rate against Manchester United was was just phenomenal. Um so I think, you know, those guys having a bit of a rest to go into what will be a, a real, you know, heavy run of fixtures um, and some extra time the training ground as well. Hopefully we can just sort of, get, you know, drill some of this stuff in and um, have everyone together and just, just have that good feeling going into it. Keep keep that, you know, you know, keep that sort of smiling, yerry feeling, you know, that kind of togetherness there because we're certainly going to need it for the games, uh, the games coming up. Um but I, I, I fancy us against Leicester. I, 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 you know, not just because it's a home game under the lights. I, I, I think I think we should have enough. Yeah, I think it's, it might actually be a more difficult game than the United game. Um, I think they've got, um, you know, obviously the United have talent, but they just just the, the motivation wasn't there. Whereas uh, Leicester always seem to have a bit more, uh, a bit more about them, but get up and go about them. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. We, sh- you know, we if if we play. To, to the to the to the best of our ability, then I think we we should have enough, you know, particularly under the lights, another fantastic atmosphere to 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 get three points from that, you know. And if we do, I mean, depends obviously on what uh, uh, on what Burnley do. I think they play Burnley play at West, they play at West Ham, I think, um, before yeah. we kick off against Leicester. So potentially, you know, if Moyes and his lot do do the business, then. Uh, we have, you know, we have a chance to put seven points between us and Burnley with seven to play, which I you know really will, we really will be breathing um, a lot easier. And actually, I was having a look at uh, at Leicester's fixture, but not Leicester's Leeds fixtures. 
Um, you know, they everyone's talking about them effectively being safe, but they've got a, they've got a, as bad, if not worse, running than we have. Um, they've got to play City. They've got to play Arsenal away, like we do. Um, they're at Palace away next. Um, they've got. To, I think they finish at Brentford, so they've got some. They've got some tough games themselves. Um, but in terms of uh, in terms of Yerry Mina, I, I mean the key with the key with Yerry, I think we we've all pretty much um, decided now is that he he can't play two games in quick succession. So I think we need to manage him in that in in that respect. Um, and obviously, it's going to be a short turnaround between um, Leicester and the Derby. So I, I I suspect he'll be in one or the other. Um, and it all depends on just on just how ready he is, if he's ready to to, to play against Leicester. Because I, I gather it was um, it was quite a significant injury that he had. And obviously, the same goes for um, for Dominic Calvert Lewin, who um, <clears throat> there were suggestions that he was that he was limping a bit um, when he came off and coming up the tunnel in the in that tunnel access uh, tunnel access video, and so. I mean, if that's the case, then it is going to take him uh, quite a while to to sort of get get his rhythm back because it's it's clear that that he's really not right. Um, you know, his his timing's off. Uh, I don't think he won a single header uh, against United. Uh, you know, he was he was jumping early, and if if his thigh is giving him issues, it's going to be very hard for him to cover the kind of ground that he used to. And you because know, he used to just you know he he used to lead the press. Um, together with Richarlison, then they would just cover enormous amounts of ground um, across the front, and he just doesn't seem to be able to do that right now. So, um, I mean, I advocated uh, um, putting Rondon in because I think Rondon's looked actually looked more likely to score than uh, than Dom, um, but but Lampard certainly seems to um, have have put his faith in in Calvert Lewin. So um, now we'll see if this if this extra break, which I think is going to be important both in terms of you know, getting players fit or getting players rested, but also, um, you know, impressing on the squad the, you know, Lampard's methods, which I think we've really started to see in the last um, two, three games. You know, West Ham away was, it was an improvement. And I think we were unfortunate not to get a draw. Uh, there were definitely signs at Burnley um, of improvement and obviously against United. So I think uh, there's definitely, as these players come back um, and we look more like, the team that we were under Ancelotti at times, I think you know we can we can start to be more and more confident that the that these lads can get the job done um, over the last eight games. It's frustrating we didn't make the decision to um, dispense of Rafa Benitez uh, sooner, or even not at all. Hire <laughs> him, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> at the, uh, the recruitment uh, recruitment uh, stage <laughs> because. Um, I think if we, well, yeah, certainly if we, if we got had had Frank, you know, if Frank would have joined in the summer and had a few seasons to work with and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, then, yeah, it wouldn't have been playing Salem from the start. I'm sure it takes time to get your, you know, get, to get your methods over etc. But the, I believe it seems to recall that the start of the season we had was pretty generous in terms of sort of fixtures and wouldn't have, you know. Would have, would have allowed that opportunity to sort of bed that in and um, well, even if not that, then like Newcastle did when they got, you know, they got Eddie Howe in when. Mid December, early December, I think sorry, early December, I think. Um and they had a pretty rough ride and they didn't 
it didn't turn into instant results for them. But slowly over time, the methods started to work. Things started to click into place. Then they had, then they had a full transfer window, and they were, obviously they recruited quite heavily Newcastle in that um, period. But you see where I'm going with it. The point I'm making, if, if, if Frank had had more time uh, rather than a day of a transfer window and just, uh, here you go, that's what you got, you know, um, I'm sure we'd have been in a much more comfortable position now, I'm certain. But um, we are we are where we are. What can you... Um, what, what, what can you do? And thinking about, um, yeah, players come back. I mean, Dominic, um, I, was, I had a pretty good view of the, of, of the game on Saturday and Dominic uh, coming off, he, he really wore a grimace. He looked really sort of, to me, just frustrated with his performance, you know, like really, um, you know, not, not, you know, I think, I think there was, uh, when he came off, was it against Burnley? Did he come off and he was a bit disappointed? Or was it West Ham? I forget when, which, which one of them he was, I think it was West Ham, maybe. Yeah, it was West Ham, and he got taken off. And he looked a bit unhappy that he mm-hmm. threw his coat down or something like that. I forget, but um, yeah, he didn't look so much unhappy about being substituted. He looked, just looked a bit sort of annoyed. You know what I mean? Whether that's whether that's his, his thigh, whether that's um, just his own performance, it struck me it was more his performance. So um, hopefully, yeah, it'd be a real, be a nightmare if he's um, not quite fit. Because I think we could, you know, to have like a, a fit and firing uh, Dominic Carvalho Lowen at the moment would, uh, would do wonders, as you said. Lyndon for what him and Richardson could do up front. Um, yeah, I mean, Mina coming back. I think I don't know what the best thing to do is. It's it, it, it's tough, isn't it? Because the defense, you know, the, the team's just put on a really good defensive performance. And uh, although yeah, he's our best defender, do you want to mess with that too much, or do you want to throw him straight in? I mean, I'm sure Frank will have his ideas of what to do there. Um, if if the thinking they'll save Yeri for the derby. Or you know, is that a better idea? I mean, what what you know, you, you obviously we're much more likely to get. You know, I'd like it to be the other way around, but we're much more likely to get the points against Leicester City than we are at Liverpool away. You know what I mean? So, uh, do you want if it's a case of put your best team out, put your best foot forward? Do you want that to be against Leicester more so than Liverpool? You know, ideal world. You want them to be, you know, to be firing at both and winning at both. But um, if you're talking realistically, you know, you'd probably have to say the Leicester game I don't know it's a, it's a tough one I don't I wouldn't know what to do with that but it's great to have that option again and uh and yeah be available but you're right to, to have him it doesn't feel like you could you could start him and play him for 90 minutes in both and the last thing you want is him to play 90 minutes in one then limp off after 30 minutes in the other and be out for the rest of the season you know so um a bit like Fabian it'll need a bit of management I imagine to to look after yeah these uh these last few games so it's um a bit of a quandary, I suppose. If there's, it's something, something of a nice problem to have in a way, isn't it? For Frank, and I don't think he's had too many of them at the moment. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, uh, to see what we do with that. Um, yeah, it'd be uh, Leicester's um, fixtures. I think they got coming up ahead of that. They got PSV Eindhoven, I think, away tomorrow night in um, the Europa Conference. Uh, which is a big game for them because they're not really looking like in a position where they're going to qualify for Europe by the league this season. So following that, they've got Newcastle away and then Everton away, obviously, on the Wednesday. So they've got three, three away games in a row there. So being the last of them three, get my crystal ball out a little bit, but it might just feel like a <laughs> might just be a good time to play them, particularly if the the results at PSV say doesn't go quite doesn't go so well. If the I don't know what the scores in the first leg, but if they if if say they get knocked out of that and then struggle at Newcastle, I might just they might just be weary and done in and fed up and you know what I mean three three quick games away from home on the spin. So maybe that's an opportunity there to to make the most of uh, a fatigued and uh, mentally tired Leicester City, perhaps if I'm gonna. I can get my crystal ball out then that's maybe I, as I see our best opportunity to win to really take advantage of their of, you know, of, of where they're at at that point um, so yeah fingers crossed for that game 
Yeah, the flight gets delayed. The <laughs> flight from Manchester. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've just had a look. They uh, they drew the first leg uh, nil nil. So yeah, so okay. they've, they've definitely st- still got it all to play for there. Um, and um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a thing, isn't it? This this stage of the season. I mean, on the one hand, you look at our fixtures and you think, oh yeah, lots of sort of sides who are you know sort of you know top end of the table, or I guess in the case of Watford and Brentford, a little bit lower down. But um, you know, sides with plenty to play for. But at the same time, they've you know they've got things to distract them. You know, so that 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 can play into our hands a bit. Um, I think um, I think the good thing is that yeah, if if we can keep um, some of these players fit, you know, the ones who who you know, let's say, don't have the best record in sort of staying fit for uh, an entire campaign, uh, if we can manage them, it, it 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 just gives us as as well as just having you know options for for Lampard, it, it gives us kind of different ways of playing. You know, it's that sort of silk and steel thing. You know, you can think, oh, you know, it's it's a game we sort of need to go out and attack and get three points, like I don't, you know say the, the Brentford home game, you know, you can think, oh yeah, you know, someone like Van der Beek comes in, you know, you maybe start someone like, I don't know, a Damari Gray, um, you know, you you, you 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 can sort of go at them a bit more. Whereas you've also got those games where it was crying out for a bit of sort of, you know, a calm head uh, and a bit of experience. You've, you've hopefully got the likes of Delph, you've got Alan, um, you know, Coleman again against uh, Manchester United was, was excellent. You know, I think having him come back in, and put in a real sort of solid captain's display. Yeah, you know, there's there's still times where you know the distribution isn't great um, from 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 pretty much all the back four apart from I, I thought Mikolenko. But um, but still, just you know, have, having that kind of uh, you know ability to see games out. You know, um, a, a clean sheet as well was massive. I think like you know if we can if you can really you know whether whether someone like Mina comes in or not, if we can sort of you know build in that kind of uh, Staunch, you know. Let's let's you know. Let's keep everyone out. Pickford as well. Uh, someone we've not mentioned. Um, he was superb, I mean, wasn't he? We did in the Burnley game. <laughs> yeah. He was. He was. He was incredible. Because I think. I think what I really liked about that performance is that he's. You know. He's. You know. He's had great games for us in the past where he's. He, you know. He, we. We know he's got that sort of really good stop shopping. Uh, shot stopping ability. Um, but um, phone dropping ability—that's <laughs> uh, uh, that's a Ronaldo thing. Spawny uh, git. Uh, but um, yeah, I think um, I think uh, having um, having a game like that where the saves he made—you know—but I mean, the, the, the saves from uh, Rashford in the first half were both outstanding. But it was it was just for simple things when he's doing those simple things well. Um, and um, I, I, I was watching it on BT, so it was, it was Martin Keown. I think he said like you know he, he looks really calm today. And it, I feel like that sort of radiates out, and the likes of you know Keane and Godfrey, who you know have, have been under the cosh a bit recently, it kind of it you know it, it it goes it goes without saying that like you know that kind of spreads throughout the team, and you know um, as, as much as having those midfielders in front of them, having Pickford behind, you know coming for balls at the right time, sometimes holding back, realizing on oh, a minute, do I really need to come out for this? And just just slowing things down. His, even his distribution was better against uh, against Manu. So uh, you know, hopefully he can he can carry that in for the last few games because you know there might be times in some of these tougher fixtures where well they're all tough, but you know certainly you know likes of you know away at Anfield and um, you know the games against Chelsea and Arsenal where you know we probably will need him. Um, so another performance like that um, would be uh, would be much appreciated. Yeah. 
No, we've raised our game against the the the, the, the so-called bigger teams and, and the, the bigger fixtures. Um, you know, I think as our, our, our mate El Bretland tweeted, he said we've taken a third of our points off the um, the top six this season. So you know, this game's against Chelsea and obviously the one against Leicester, another good team. You know, uh, those are the sorts of um, the sorts of games that we've actually done well in. Um, <clears throat> and you know, as you say, Jordan Pickford doing the basics right. Michael Keane after a, a, a terrible start. He, I mean, I thought he had he'd had a really bad start against United, but you know, settled down. Um, and it's important because he, like Awobi, is is a confidence player. Um, and it, it, with the the team functioning around him, you could see that he, once he got over those initial jitters, he really sort of settled down, and and, and that's going to be um, that's going to be big. And if he can, if he and and Godfrey can play the way they did against United, then there's the the rush to get Mina back isn't quite as um, as as quite as urgent. Um, so we'll have to see how that goes. But um, I don't know. I won't sleep easily until we've got you know three more wins on the board uh that might not be until the till next month um although how bloody brilliant would it be to go to anfield and uh not only wreck their title chances but uh to make ourselves safe that would be uh that would be fantastic and then we can uh we can look forward to the future a bit more and and, and sort of rebuilding over the summer and, and putting this this club back on the uh back on the right track forward and I suppose um, part of that, two two bits of news from uh, this week. Uh, first of all, with uh, David Unsworth leaving, obviously leaving the um, his post as the academy director and uh, the head coach of the under-23s. Um, I think that was a move that doesn't come as a big surprise. Uh, and for some, it might actually be um, overdue, not so much because he's not doing a good job um, or hasn't done a good job, but I think... There's 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 been a feeling that we we definitely need um, some fresh blood, some fresh ideas, and kind of a new a new broom sweeping through the club, um, and that certainly along with um, Kevin Thelwell coming on board uh, seems as though that process has begun, um, which I think um, if 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 the right uh, the right appointments are made to to replace uh, Rhino. I think could definitely be a um, a positive development. So, what do you guys think? Um, yeah, I think he's. I mean, I think he's done a pretty. I guess he's done a pretty good job. I mean, this you look at like I guess like the 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 sort of the barometer, I suppose, is like how many players progress to the first team. Um, I guess you can do so much in terms of you know how many are good enough quality to get into the first team and. I suppose you've got Anthony Gordon's now in the first team and Tom Davis has been around the first team for quite a while and so is John Joe Kenny. But like the um there's there's, there's a few players there who've who've made it there and they've had and players that have come in, I guess he's he's had a bit of a hand in the development of um of Dominic Carvert Lewin, of Mason Holgate. Um so I'm, I'm talking about the here and now. Um I haven't really thought too far about you know, all the players he's he's bought in, he's bought for the over the time he's been in that position. Um, yeah, I've always liked I've always liked Unsworth. You know, he was you know big big passionate Evertonian. I guess like one thing people will often talk about is like Everton is a bit too much of this sort of job for the boys sort of thing, and that's one of the one that and I think he, he seems to often get the brunt of that, David, or has done uh, over his time. 
wasn't there a bit of a restructure with the under twenty threes anyway? Under Marcel, under Marcel brands, I think they changed the way they were they, they were looking to do things and trying to make the template sim- more similar to the first team because he, he's won the under twenty three league a couple of times, hasn't he? But mm-hmm. I think the first time he won it, you thought, okay, it could be a good crop of player, players here could be could potentially go into the first team, and then none of them really did, you know. So um, yeah, so maybe whether we'll see. Then if the next few years players players like um who's like at Tramia now is it is it uh, Warrington is it um yeah and mm-hmm. players like that who quite highly thought of who might benefit from that change of structure it'd be nice if David's had a part to play in that regardless of what happens moving forward to that position so I think everybody you know really just you wish him well it'd be great to he said he wants to go into management um and let's uh, let's see how he does and let's let's hope that we see him yeah. You know cropping up somewhere and, uh, and and doing a good job and you don't even really say thank you and uh, good luck David yeah totally agree I think he um, you know it, there's there's a lot of success stories I think I think you're right in that he's, he has been quite sort of unfairly you know been tarnished as you know the sort of you know oh he's only there because um, you know you, you could argue there's, there's there's other people far deserving of that mantle than uh, than Unsworth I think he's uh, he's obviously gonna done, done a good job at actually you know, managing the side because, you know, he's got title success to speak to, um, as well as some of his recruitment. I mean, you know, we, we wouldn't have Calvert-Lewin without Unsworth. I mean, if, if that was your one contribution in that role uh, to bring a sort of relatively unknown, you know, young striker from, you know, Sheffield United via, I think, a sort of loan spell at Northampton to then, you know, an England international, then, you know, you can't really say fairer than that. And that's, you know, not to mention some of the other players as well. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I hope he... I hope he can sort of find a role somewhere else and, you know, spread his wings a bit because, um, you know, even the times when he was asked to step in, I mean, you know, but obviously the sort of first time around the uh, last last game of the season against, uh, was it Norwich, uh, where Anthony, uh, wait, um, is it, is it Kieran Dow scored? And I, I, can't, yeah, I can't, can't remember who else scored, but, uh, you know, obviously, that, you know, that was, that was a great moment for him, obviously, second time around, uh, not so much. Um but um, I think uh, you know I, c- I could see him doing doing a good job somewhere else. He's he's certainly got the experience, and it it does make you wonder whether the likes of you know Big Dunker maybe you know sort of going to be the next one to maybe you know w- whether it's by choice or whether it's a sort of gentle nudge from a new director of football. Um, I guess what you'd say with that with Kevin Thelwell is at least there seems to be some sort of you know um, autonomy that he's got to make these decisions. Um, you know, rather than it sort of, you know, you know, as as what we've had before with brands, where you know he's maybe allowed some responsibility but not others. Um, so hopefully that's a sign of things to come. But you know, um, the director of football is allowed to actually, you know, direct things and set the tone for the club because uh, that can only that can only be good for for both the young players coming through and for the uh, and for the first team as well. Yeah, I think where Answer's concerned for me, he wasn't really the um synonymous of the jobs for the boys thing. I think there are a couple of people who are sort of brought back into the club uh with uh questionable reputations and questionable conduct who I think people were thinking, oh, you know, is this are we a you know, are we a halfway house or a charity, you know, or are we <laughs> or are we a serious football club? Um so yeah, I think um I haven't really sort of delved into the, the production lines at other clubs, but there aren't many Premier League clubs that have a solid production line of, of young talent that, that's just being churned out. I mean, Chelsea will obviously stand out um, as one club that, that does produce a particularly uh, 
high standard of player on a, on a regular basis, but there aren't that many. So I think if the, um, you know, if, if our academy is churning out players who can be uh, enough players, who can be decent squad players, um, at the very least, you know, they can save save money in that respect. And then obviously we can we can spend the big bucks on, on the real star players. And I think the academy will be doing its job. Um, obviously, we'd obviously like to, to see them, you know, churn out more and more Wayne Rooney's, um, uh, you know, and over time. But that's um, that's that's obviously where the uh, where the real gold dust is. Uh, the other bit of news, obviously, this uh, this week is the um, stadium financing, uh, which I think uh, w- with the threat of relegation hanging over us for the last few weeks, we've always kind of wondered, you know, if we, if we were to go down, what on earth happens to the stadium? Looks more and more likely as though we're going to stay up, and so we can obviously turn our attentions back to uh, to the uh, the shining uh, the shining light that's being built on the on, on the banks of the Mersey. Uh, so it seems as though they've they've struck a um, a deal with Langer Rook that uh, that establishes the the cost of the construction, uh, and that will hopefully take some um, some doubt out of. You know the how we're going to finance it. Um, I'm sure uh, Paul the Esk will be uh, will weighing in on just how he thinks that's going to happen. Um, but it certainly seems like a positive development anyway, um, without having delved too much into it. I think the the message that um, from the email from um, from Denise was very. It, it, it didn't mention the the dreaded R word once, obviously, but like uh, <laughs> I think it, the message kind of to me anyway is quite loud and clear. Look, regardless, if that's the R word, regardless of what happens, <laughs> this um, this state this stadium is uh, is going ahead. So that's that's big news. I mean, the obviously what it was it, it was going to be presumably it looked like uh, to be to be funded by um by, by Osmanov, and obviously what happened with the sanctions and everything else. So, um, you know that 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 changed that changed all that. So um, it's good that they've. I, I, I don't know the workings. I've no idea how, how 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 that's all come about. But it seems like they've they've moved quite quickly to to arrange um, to arrange this for Lango Lango work. So that's um, that's really good news. Um, it's massive forever, and it's it, it, it's vital that they uh, that they, that they build the stadium. And it's um, yeah, it's a bit of a relief. So it's a bit of a relief to get that. It, it, that's just, just the core of the structure. Me, it was like, don't worry, this has happened no matter what happens. So that's. Uh, uh, that's good knowing that whatever happens the remainder of the season um, we're all looking good for the for the new stadium anyway and yeah so let's hope we finish the stadium in the, still in the Premier League we know that's still going on and we can really end this season looking forward and looking up with a promise to manage him hopefully finishing this finishing the season strongly yeah and just you know and uh it's always good to finish the season well obviously because that sort of you know hopefully buys you into the next season quite nicely so um i'm going off topic a little bit there i know but yeah hopefully it can just all combine a bit and uh lead to a, a nicer month or so hopefully fingers crossed yeah agree with all of the above i mean obviously ancelotti still wants to lead us out i know of a new stadium um <laughs> so uh, after he's won the double this season you mean he's going to come back yeah 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 you know a little <laughs> fancy the challenge again um he's but, missing um, crosby oh no i'm, I'm sure i'm sure <laughs> um but um yeah i think um it's it, it's obviously it's, it's reassuring i think it's I, I think we're all aware that you know even even you know away from what's going on on the pitch there's so many uh strange ifs and buts about uh you know what's going on this season obviously where where we'll be in the summer whether you know 
you know, relating to things like the, the sponsorship, uh, potentially the ownership. I mean, you could even see this as uh, potentially a way of, uh, you know, making something like a, a possible takeover, which I know has been mooted variously. Uh, you know, it's on the old Toffee Web rumor mill. So uh, there's, uh, you know, it's obviously been spoken about with uh, possible investment from uh, North America. But um, I think, um, you know, it's, 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 it's positive to know that, you know, regardless of what's going on on the pitch, there's, there's still that happening. But obviously, yeah, I think uh, I think most people are just you know focusing on the football really, and uh, yeah, want to see uh, want to see the season out. You know, it's 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 not how we we saw it panning out. I mean, if you'd have said to me this time last year, oh, you'll you know start the season with you know Rafa Benitez as manager, and you'll be happy that you're seventeenth in April. Um, I, I would have uh, you know uh, probably wouldn't have uh, you know wanted that, but. Um, you know, if 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 the season ends with that, and you know, hope, hopefully, with plenty to look forward to, and and I do think there's been enough sort of positive stuff, um, not not just the off off the pitch stuff, but I think um, you know, um, having the likes of Lampard, you know, going back to the academy thing as well, you know, that's that's something that he really pushed with Chelsea. I think uh, you know, the position they're in now really is, you know, he certainly played a big part in that in bringing younger players through. So the thought of in a few years' time maybe having a bit of a clearer plan with that, the likes of Gordon and some of the, you know, um, young players uh, playing at a brand new stadium um, in the Champions League, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but, you know, but obviously obviously playing top flight football, uh, that'd be uh, that'd be great. And uh, I, think, I think we'd all certainly take that at this point in time. Absolutely, we would. I think the positive thing for me is uh, that the last, se- last summer's transfer business showed the the way forward that you can find productive players um, who can make a difference for next to nothing if your recruitment's right you know the the, the days of throwing twenty five thirty million at players like Andre Gomez <clears throat> really needs to um, needs to go by the wayside for me so hopefully uh, with that one in place and those lessons those lessons now being learned that uh, we can actually start building uh, building a more consistent team. Says a lot, doesn't it? So quick. It says it says a lot, doesn't it? We just mentioned all like the oh, the possibilities of who we can play against Leicester and all that. Like, and it, it, Gomez didn't occur to me not once. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it says a lot, doesn't it, about the recruitment? And yeah, there's been some injury mainly reason why Andre hasn't um, hasn't kicked on. But uh, yeah, it says a lot, doesn't it, about uh, about what we got and who we got. And it looks like what Delph for eight million or whatever it was, and Alan, I suppose thirty million. Yeah. Don't, don't quite know where I'm going with that, I suppose. But the, but the, um, yeah, it's just good. To, just goes to show what you can, uh, what you, what you can achieve, and if you have the right recruitment strategy. And I think, yeah, the, the top clubs tend tend to get that, tend, tend to get that very right. So we've got to start, got to start doing that a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I've always maintained that Delph could have been one of those types of players if he mm. could stay fit. I mean, you know, obviously he was on big wages, but if you if you pay eight million or eight to ten million pounds for an experienced player of his caliber. Um, it was it was a move that could have made sense. I mean, obviously the, the injury injury record I think was known, and so therefore it was a maybe a not so calculated risk. Um, you know, but he's one of those one of those players that could have been could have been a very sound purchase. Um, oh, I think I think we also we all saw the logic with Delph, and I think you know obviously it was you know to sort of replace Idris Gay, but you you're bringing someone in with you know a, a massive pedigree he was still he was still you know n- not playing you know every week for man city but was you know certainly playing consistently for them um and I, but yeah I, as you say i think the, the injury record was something a lot of people were aware of but obviously it's it's really you know it's it's kind of really backfired with him because he he just he just hasn't been available um i th- I, th- I think a lot of the signings i mean you know 
Andre Gomez in his loan spell looked looked like a good player. So I guess you know pay, pay, paying you know the money that we did for a player from Barcelona again who had a pedigree. Um, but maybe that's the thing. I, I think a lot of the recruitment over the last couple of years, a lot of it has been done on you know either either pedigree or you know without sort of really thinking about a. a a wider plan and hopefully you know we, we saw that a bit in the summer with you know sort of targeting certain areas um again it doesn't always work because you know injuries happen and you know Calvert-Lewin got injured after we bought you know a couple of wingers who were basically bought into kind of supply him really but um I think hopefully yeah in this summer um you know regardless of you know players obviously some will be some will be leaving but you know we we, we can get that side of it right um and have a have a kind of clear strategy in place Fingers crossed. Well, staying with transfers, that kind of neatly segues us into uh, our weekly question, which was, um, who is your favorite loan signing? Uh, I think we we discussed um, making it the only loan, one that didn't obviously like Gomez become permanent. Um, but I think we can probably touch on both. But who wants to who wants to kick it off? Go on, Paul. Okay, I'll go... Um... Yeah, we could probably do it as a separate question um, for next week, maybe <laughs> the, um, the, uh, the 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 permanent uh, once it became permanent. Feel free to uh, put forward some questions sometimes. By the way, lads, don't. Uh... <laughs> oh, I had one. I have one in the bank. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, good, good. I look forward to that next week, week after next. <laughs> um, yeah. So mine is um, Landon Donovan would be my one. Um, I yeah, uh, I just thought. <clears throat> well, he came he came on loan twice, Landon, didn't he? Um, uh, yeah, I thought he he seems to really buy into Everton London. It was uh, it, it was pro- with having him and Tim Howard there at the same time as well. Probably did a lot for the um for the U for the US uh, supporters um taking notice of Everton a little bit more. I would imagine um you'll probably have to tell us better better London, but um yeah, just um. I just think he really got it. He really seems to like get into the club, and obviously, um, a very, very good all-round player um, was Landon. I thought he um, ticked a lot of boxes, had good quality, scored important goals, good assists, just fit in. And it's not for a player coming from a different league and and um, <clears throat> you know from MLS to to the Premier League that to, to fit in so quickly and adapt um, was very impressed, very impressive. Um, left his mark for sure. It was a shame he couldn't be really signed permanently. I don't really know why the why that never happened was it we had other personnel. I don't I, I don't really know. Did he not really want to come? Perhaps maybe on a permanent thing. I really don't not too sure. But um, yeah, he'd be my one. I really liked him a lot, and as much as anything, because he really bought into it. Um, yeah, great player, really really good. Yeah, he'd, he'd have been my shout because I think I think the the caveat of they don't become a permanent signing it really does rule out a lot of a lot of really good low leads. You know, yeah. Barry Arteta, Pinar. Uh, Lukaku, there's plenty. Um, usually works when we do that, to be honest. Um, I guess Andre Gomez might be one of a few exceptions, but a lot of that's down to injury. Um, I guess, uh, I mean, it, it's it, the ones that came to mind um, who, who didn't become permanent. I guess, I guess the recent example would be Zuma, who was someone we were sort of pining for that entire summer and, and didn't bring in. But then, um, I mean, he, he kicked a cat, didn't he? So I, 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 I uh, <laughs> I'd probably sort of rule him out on that basis now. Um, don't want to be seen as one of the few people to support other <laughs> his manager and his teammates, I guess. But uh, um, the, the other ones who came to mind were sort of, there are a few who, like, I, I had to check. I was I was like, did Joe come on loan twice? And he did. Uh, yeah. and I, I can't remember that first spell of Joe being quite fun. 
and then he came mm. back and he, he wasn't good and that's exactly what happened <laughs> when I when I, I, I double checked um I guess I guess the sort of the, the fun option if if I'm not p- picking Landon Donovan because yeah I think he was excellent would, would probably be uh uh, the Strack, Dennis Strakalazi, just just for that header on the halfway line, uh, it's probably, <laughs> pro- pro- probably worth it for that alone. And um, you know, it was it, it was a nice sort of you know moment in a sort of a simpler time as an Evertonian, really, where that was all we had to worry about, really. Um, a guy heading it on the floor on the halfway line. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say him in the inter- interest of uh, yeah, a bit of a bit of a contrast. How about you, Lyndon? No shouts for Lucina Traore or or Al Ghazi. <laughs> I was, well, I, I think I think I mentioned Al Ghazi might be a sort of late addition. If he, I don't know if he pops up at Anfield with a last minute winner or something. Um, Anthony Gardner maybe or, or uh, Matteo Ferrari was the other one who sprung to mind. Yes. we we, we yeah. never signed, but yeah. I don't think they really did anything that memorable. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, no, I think uh, Landon Donovan. I think is probably the the, the standout. Um, he was he was one I really I think we all wished that he could sign not not only for for what he was bringing to the team but the fact that as you said he really did seem to like just embrace the club mm. um, and 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 you know and could obviously provide that that um, American angle as well uh, the only other one who, who that came to mind that haven't been mentioned yet is uh, Manny Fernandez yes um, I, I'm really curious to see how he would have done uh, if if we'd managed to sign him uh, he's sort of one of those one of those those players you wonder you know if what if he came back on loan as well i was gonna say he came back as well yeah but it was was joe joe donovan and manuel fernandez who who all sort of came back again uh it's probably only really like donovan who sort of did well the second time around as well um well i mean fernandez the second time we we, was was when we were going to sign him wasn't it i mean oh yes very close to signing um but i think it's uh if he had, he he would have just been another one of one of these players who we did eventually sign, and I think it's it speaks to um, you know how how good our our sort of recruitment has been in that respect that so many of these players have actually ended up staying, and and it speaks to how much they they sort of buy into the club and how much you know the club sort of once once Everton touches you that that old cliche is actually true. I mean, you think you know Tim Howard and um, all these players who started out on loan um, and end up, you know, wanting to stay and, and we want to keep them. I think it's, uh, it's actually quite good that we can, that we can really only find a couple of players in the last sort of 20, 30 years who we think, you know, that the players that we, that got away that we didn't sign. It's worth saying as well that a lot of those, a lot of those loanees, you know, who, who did stay, that they weren't the kind of, you know, there was an option to buy in as well. You know, they, they were sort of, you know, like you say, players who, who we did sort of, you know, we we made an effort to sign because we saw the value in them, but also, yeah, they they wanted to stick around, and a lot of them were coming from, you know, on paper bigger clubs, I guess. So, uh, you know, um, you know, the likes of Howard certainly, um, Lukaku from Chelsea. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think, you know, it it was certainly a good way to recruit. I know um, Lukaku and Barry were under Martinez, and uh, the others were mainly under Moyes, but because um, you know. As well as that, you know, you, you you get the fans on side with the players. So I mean, it'd be interesting to see if that's something we try again in the future. Because you know, the the strike record with that's certainly a bit better than um, you know some of the uh, some of the other signings we made over the last few years. Yeah, 
whether it's financial constraints or just the way he did things, David Moyes was always very prudent. He, he liked the option of getting <clears throat> of looking at a player on loan first before uh, before signing, and obviously it worked work quite well. But when we at when we saw we, we were looking at what question to to ask um, for this, we said there our favorite favorite player um, on loan. There was only Lyndon said what who, who didn't become permanent and. I was thinking, oh, what are you talking about? What Kevin Campbell, you know, Pienaar, who else? But then when you think back, there's so many, isn't there? And even if you go back to like Duncan Ferguson um, and uh, Michael Arteta, you know, for examples, there's um, some very, very good players. And there's some you just don't really think of. Like, oh yeah, he came alone first, didn't he? So um, yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's it's served Everton so well over the years. And that's probably another <laughs> another question in itself. Which of them lot would be your favourite one? Because because uh, Blimey does. Um, there's, there's there's loads of them, but uh, yeah, I think we kind of kind of nailed it with like uh, Landon and uh, yeah, Mandy Fernandez is probably my backup one if um if somebody didn't mention Landon, but I knew Landon was going to get mentioned, so I was happy enough to go first, <laughs> go first with that one. So, oh good. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess like an early one would be maybe Brian McBride uh, for another sort of stateside point on it. I, I remember he, I remember he. Um, because obviously I, th- I think I think the issue with him, I mean, that was when we were really skint, wasn't it? Um, sort of really early years of Moyes, and um, and I think I think the issue was he was he was sort of too old. I, I guess that was how it was seen. It was like you know we we, we couldn't sort of you know warrant paying you know what would probably now look like a really small fee. Um, but um, you know he, he always tried on, and, and and to be fair to him, you know he had a, he ended up having a good career in the Premier League at Fulham, didn't he? So um, I guess I guess he'd be another, but. Um, but but to be honest, most of the really good ones, um, bar probably yeah, Donovan, because I think he he, I think out of all of them, he sort of came into the first first team and sort of you know really looked a part of it as well as sort of a part of the club. But most of the good ones, uh, yeah, we sort of managed to kind of keep him around. Really, there weren't too many who got away, other than yeah, I guess Fernandez being the the obvious one when he uh, went to Valencia. Yeah, I remember that one, Fernandez. <clears throat> it felt like he was going to. Um, it was. It looked certain he was going to sign. I think we just did. We just sign. Uh, he was training with us, wasn't he? I think he. It was that close. I think he was. He was sort of still training with the side, and then I, th- I think it was Valencia. But I, th- I don't yeah. know. So I think we signed Andy Johnson at the same time. And I thought, oh, great, we'll have Manny Fernandez playing it into Andy Johnson and all that. And it just, it just felt like it was definitely, definitely coming. It just felt like it was all done. And it just it just seemed to take longer and longer and longer till eventually. Just, I remember it just popped up on Sky Sports News and you, you saw him at the airport in Valencia. I was like, oh, downer. Bit of a shame. That that, that game against, he's got that amazing goal against Man United, didn't he? Yeah. It was like that game against um, Arsenal, was it? When he said, had all those tricks and flicks and he was just like yeah, yeah. skidding everybody and all that. That was a, yeah, that was a, that was good fun. So yeah, definitely. Shame we didn't see more of him um, in blue. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll, uh, I guess we'll never know what could have been with him. Mm. I feel like his career sort of tapered off, didn't it? Really after that, so he's, he he probably feels the same way, to be honest. So. Well, thanks, lads. That'll do it for another episode of the Toffee Web Podcast. We'll be back next Thursday, actually, uh, right after the Leicester game. Hopefully, uh, talking about another stirring home win. Until then, thanks again for listening. Take care and up those toffees. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 